0: Oh, Is that the one Ken Branagh's written? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, starring Michael Gambon and Simon Cowell. (laughs) (laughs) Is it that? Stephen Fry's probably in there somewhere. No, it's not. not. (laughs) I wish it was. I wish it was.
1: Welcome
0: to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel.
1: I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And this week we're putting the reality-bending reboot Matrix Resurrections on trial. Is it 01001111011011? Or is it zero one zero 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 one zero zero one one zero 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 one zero one one zero zero one zero zero? <laughs> Which essentially, <laughs> if you don't know what that means, shame on you. But we're going to find out if this will be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list. That is genuine binary code, by the way. If you are really interested, <laughs> check out what it means. <laughs> anyway, now, before we go on, our last film on trial was Spider Man No Way Home. Alex, you judge that trial and deemed that it should be placed on the hit list. You've since gone away and you've watched that film, so did you make the right call or not? Yes or no?
2: Absolutely. Without, like, a shadow of a doubt, I absolutely loved that film. Like, it was just very entertaining. I haven't been that entertained at the cinema for a very long time. It was just a proper blockbuster. Not like a perfect film, not like, oh, you know, you couldn't criticise it, but I just loved it. I just really enjoyed it. And when the spider man all got together and Toby Maguire came in, I was, I was honestly, like, gasping in the audience. And I was by myself, so it probably wasn't a good look, to be honest, but I was... I was having an absolutely fantastic time. I loved it. And, uh, yeah, definitely. I, you know, you guys absolutely sold it. You said it was amazing when you were giving your real opinions. And it surpassed my expectations. So, uh, yeah, big fan of that film.
1: Got a glowing review there. Ozzy, Joel, have either of you seen it yet? Yeah? No, no, I've not seen it.
3: I need to watch all the other Spider-Man films, I think, to really appreciate it.
2: Probably, yeah.
1: Well, that, that bit of entertaining banter was over. Riveting stuff there. Thanks, guys. Yeah, you do. <laughs> now, on to the trial. All of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So acting in defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list is a man who is as stylish as Morpheus. It's Ozzy. Uh, also, when you think of both 2021 Morpheus and Ozzy, you automatically think of a big part of the balls. Do you not?
4: pile of balls
1: yeah well that's what morpheus is in 2020
4: 21 isn't he why do you associate that with Ozzy?
1: well i mean look at him <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean just look at him and joining him is a man who is similar to the merovingian in that the past few years haven't been too kind to him it's me <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, i too angrily and incoherently shouted people on the street as well so i know how he feels And uh, acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list is a man who, just like Trinity, is mad about bikes and has a very happy family. It's Joel. But you would leave them in a heartbeat for that special somebody. (laughs) I'm all right, Joel. (laughs) I'm I'm all right. (laughs) You're you're the one, and I'm the zero. If you know what I mean. <laughs> and joining him is a man who, just like Neo, spends his days drinking coffee, playing video games, and getting quietly frustrated by people much younger than him. It's Alex. very
2: accurate, my god.
1: <laughs> and uh, spoiler alert: he too is unable to fly. Which I found out when I accidentally threw him off a trampoline once, because he hit the ground very hard.
2: <laughs> the only thing I disagree with was the idea that it was accident that you threw me off that
1: trampoline. <laughs> okay, and uh, just like real court advocates, the defence and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear their genuine thoughts. Now, this week, the role of the judge who has to decide which list the film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to them, and not using their own opinions, is Dave. A man is just like the analyst in that he purports to be a really calm, understanding, and nice guy. But deep down, deep, deep down, we all know that he likes musical (laughs) theatre.
0: It's not as deep as you think it is.
1: (laughs) Now, before we get started, I think we should give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is about. So let us spin the wheel of impressions. Uh, I haven't got the wheel with me, so I'll just make the noise. <laughs> much better. That much better. Do that. And this week it's landed on Dave. So uh, what we do here is we read off the synopsis in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. This week it's obviously lands, lands on Dave. So how would you like Dave? Gave,
0: has it, Gav? Hey, wait, it?
1: you were the first person I saw after I did. My, uh, uh. So uh, how how would we like Dave to read out the synopsis?
0: Yarnu, mm.
1: please. Yeah, Yarnu.
0: Yeah, I haven't be, seen this film. I didn't know what he sounds like, but I take it he sounds as he does in. Yeah.
1: No, it's very odd. He's speaking in the Cornish accent this one. <laughs> no, <laughs> only inexplicably for the entirety of
0: the I mean, I can't do a Keanu Reeves, but I'll, I'll have a go. So Keanu Reeves, yeah? Yep. Yeah. Return to a world of two realities. One, <laughs> oh my God. everyday life. The other, what lies behind it? To find out if his reality is a construct, to truly know himself, Mr. Anderson will have to choose to follow the White Rabbit once more.
2: I mean, it wasn't Keanu, but I do think we should do a range of like audio tapes, Dave, for like people going to sleep <laughs> or something. It was velvety and lovely thank oh, you. Bless you i'll are take
1: are, that are very uh, very sexually frustrated
0: <laughs> <laughs> them too them too i mean a sale is a sale at the end of the day
1: <laughs> i suppose it could it could work for both markets couldn't it yeah <laughs> once you have finished one uh move on to the other anyway uh <laughs> let's kick things off dave let like to please kick mm-hmm. off proceedings
0: yeah, okay, so I have not seen Matrix 4 or Matrix Resurrections, is that what it's called? Yep. Um. Yep. I don't know a very, great very deal about it, I know Keanu Reeves is back, I know Anne Moss is back, I know Lawrence Fishburne is not, that's about as much as I know about casting, I have no idea what the story is about, and I know only one of the Wachowskis has come back for this one as well, is it Lana that's come back? Yeah. Yeah, Lily is absent from this one. So... That is literally all I know about The Matrix. So I want to hear why is this good? Why was this film necessary? I have mixed feelings about the the original trilogy. I think the first one was very good. And then it kind of lost its way a bit, in my opinion. Uh, does Matrix 4 bring it back? We will find out. So I'd like to hear from someone from the defense, please. Gav.
1: Yeah, I, I think that it's doesn't necessarily bring it back because what this film does is actually put a really new and interesting spin on the concept of what the matrix is. So it's no secret that this film was essentially going to be made by Warner Brothers, whether Lana Wachowski or any of the creative forces or the cast were involved or not, they were going to make this film one way or another. And Lana Wachowski then came on board and was like, right, if you want a reboot, I'm going to give you my version of a reboot. It's not going to be your standard Force Awakens bullshit where it's just like, hey, look at this, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Movie. look at something that happened before and, you know, Easter eggs and whatnot. This is something plot different. and,
2: you know, beginning and,
1: and, and, <laughs> no, and no, end. No, no, that, <laughs> that, is, that is the one thing that I really liked about this film. But the thing that I liked about it the most was the plot. The plot was so original and, and unique. And I'll just go into a bit of detail about the plot. Once again, I've given the uneniable task of capturing a very dense a complex plot in a very small amount of time. So please bear with me, Dave. So it starts with Bugs, a human resistance fighter, encountering a program running old code which involves one of the scenes from the original matrix films but everything is off the characters aren't the same and some of the details have been changed bugs finds that one of the agents is behaving strangely and discovers that he is actually an ai program which is the embodiment of morpheus who's also been repackaged and she helps to free him We find out that this is all a modal or a program designed by successful games developer Thomas Anderson, aka Neo, played, as you said before, by Keanu Reeves, who has created a hugely successful trilogy of video games based on his dreams of The Matrix.
3: It's kind of like a really arty and dark version of Free Guy at this point. Okay. <laughs>
1: yes, yes, pretty <laughs> okay. much. In a good way. In a good way. So. Uh, so Neo is essentially trapped in a mundane existence. He is seeing a therapist who has him on medication of the blue pill variety, not Viagra, by the way. He <laughs> dislikes his business partner, Smith, and he dreams of hooking up with Tiffany, a married mother from his local coffee house, a.k.a. Trinity, played by carrie Ann Moss. Bugs and Morpheus enter the Matrix to free Neo and realize that Smith is actually Agent Smith, who's been repackaged and reprogrammed to keep close tabs on Thomas Anderson. They free Neo, the whole pod thing again. They take him to the new human sanctuary, which is called Io, where he is reintroduced to elderly Nobi. She explains that 60 years have passed since the machine war and that in this particular sanctuary, humans, machines, and AI are living together in harmony. She explains that the machines resurrected Neo and Trinity for some unknown reason. So then Neo, Bugs, Morpheus and co. return to the Matrix to rescue Trinity and figure out what the hell is going on. Neo fights Smith and the Merovingian who want the Matrix to return to its former self. Then before they can save Trinity, the therapist reveals himself to be the real baddie behind this called the Analyst, who is a program that studies the human psyche. He saw the Neo and Trinity die at the end of the machine war, but he created these resurrection pods to study them more. He found that individually, the two of them were not that special, but when they worked as one, over countless iterations, they overpowered the system because of their love. So the analyst has been controlling the latest iteration of the matrix as to keep the two near each other, but preventing them from actually becoming close. Anyway, the analyst says that if Trinity volunteers to go free of the Matrix, Neo can take her, but if she refuses, then Neo will permanently have to return to the Matrix by his own free will. Neo agrees. Trinity chooses Neo. The analyst tries to fight back by having swarms of AIs fight them all. It ends on a rooftop where Neo says, let's jump off. I've got this. No worries. But it turns out he doesn't got this, but... Trinity actually does. She's the one who can now fly and she saves Neo. It all ends with Neo and Trinity informing the analysts that they're going to redesign the Matrix now and then they both fly off into the sunset. You know, this serves as a continuation of the Matrix trilogy as well as like a meta commentary on the series itself. It's ambitious and compelling and it's not just packed full of callbacks and Easter eggs as I said but it gives a fresh new take of what the Matrix is and what it's capable of. It's bold, it's fresh, it's inventive and it's visually stunning, bringing the world of the matrix even closer to our reality than ever before it's not just a rehash of everything that was successful about the first films this isn't star wars the force awakens this is daring this is something different this is a film not just about revisiting the old rabbit hole but it's about delving deeper into the original original rabbit hole and see how deep we can get I think we normally say see, see how far it goes. <laughs> it's the, uh, it's <laughs> an that unusual usual phrase. to wrap that. Up.
0: <laughs> but yeah, yeah, okay, we can phrase it that way if you wish. Um, I want to
1: see how deep this rabbit hole really is. <laughs>
0: mm, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> okay, it sounds it sounds complex, but I think I got the gist. It doesn't sound like, you know, nothing you wouldn't expect from a matrix plot. So, sounding okay. Sounds like we got it. we got a story here. We got we got some semblance of a plot. Uh, we got some characters back who, who we we like. We are happy to see again, and it sounds like we've got a fresh take on the original films. You know, something there's something for the old fans, but there's something here that might entice in some new fans as well. Is that the case, Prosecution Alex?
2: If you told me after I came out of Matrix Revolutions that it could get any worse, I would have I would have I would have said no, 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 no. That is as, <laughs> that is as, as, as appalling as Matrix can get. And then I watched Matrix Resurrections, which is not just like, it's one of the worst films I've seen in years and years and years. It's absolutely appalling. Gav did a fantastic job, but I almost, listening to him, felt some vague sense of being recalled back to a traumatic event in my life. Watching Matrix (laughs) Resurrections is that bad. It's that bad an experience. Like, if I hadn't been in the cinema and I didn't have to do it for the podcast, I'd have just walked myself out. It's like, if, if you're listening to that first bit, Gav's saying it's meta. It's just meta bullshit. It's not clever. It's that thing of, like, meta being clever. that We've gone past that years ago. This is a commentary. The first half of the film is about The Matrix being rebooted as a game. It's not clever meta. That's just Lana Wachowski not being able to think of anything to write about. She's literally just writing about what she's being asked to do. It's not clever. You know, it, and, and it... And it's very badly edited. You can see it's just a mess. This film's just an absolute mess. It starts with the old Matrix. And, you know, you are like, oh, that's interesting. There's no Matrix, but there was a new Morpheus and the agent. So you've got the whole, you know, the first scene when um, Trinity is being sort of taken by the cops and she turns around and fights them. But it's all slightly different. And you're like, oh, I wonder what's going on here. This is strange. You know, and then this Bugs character comes in and she's watching it. And you're like, well, you know, this mystery starts. And you're going, right, OK, this is... This is interesting. I don't really see where this is going. We're in an old modal. She meets Morpheus, who's an agent, but he's not an agent. And then blah, 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 blah. And you're a bit like, oh, I wonder how these questions are going to be answered. And then we stop with that. That stops. That stops. No no, no no, more of that. That never comes back. We don't really go back to that. We don't find out. Uh, we go straight into Neo's life. And Neo's now being asked to remake The Matrix. He's a game designer He's remade The Matrix. And, and it just goes into this meta- self-indulgent bollocks it's just there's no other word for it it's just complete bollocks Gav says it's daring it's completely self-indulgent it's someone who's writing a script about their events of the day lana Machowski was obviously sat in a room with all these people pitching ideas her and instead of writing an entertaining script which is what she should have done she just wrote about her day in the office halfway through obviously she must have figured out that you can't make a film like that so then we flip back about half or two thirds through to just this complete sci-fi bollocks. And, and, I'll you know, the last point I'll make is just the lovely thing about The Matrix is the first one is it did not explain itself very much. That's the problem that the second and the third one did. It started just explaining everything. You had the Merovingian just talking, 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 just explain, explain, explain. Exposition, exposition, exposition. And this film like dials that right up where you just have these. Almost like a terrible episode of Star Trek where they're talking about the quantum stabilizer isn't working and we can't do this, but we need the extra. Oh, no, that'll work because we're going to realign the coupling and put that in and no one cares. And it's just it's just sci-fi. But it's the worst. It's the lowest form of sci-fi. And it's amazing. I've never seen someone. I've never seen someone as a director get just progressively worse. It's almost like a hope. They make more films because, like, how far, how deep can the rabbit hole go? How can you go from, like, the absolute pinnacle of the best action film ever and get worse? It, it's 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 honestly astonishingly bad, this film.
0: Wow. Astonishingly bad. And like we say, this comes from uh, from Alex, who was a devout fan of the first Matrix film. Are they steadily getting worse? It's like, <laughs> are they steadily getting worse? I'll let it uh, come to the defence again on this one.
1: Can, can uh, I just say, I like—I I, I wouldn't say Alex was a devout fan pretty of the first one. right. <laughs> it, it <laughs> was a religious element to it.
0: <laughs> 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 but the fans, uh, this sounds bad. This sounds pretty bad. You know what? I think it's getting a really bad rap. And I, maybe
3: because I'm, I'm not tainted by the second and third films, I thought going into this that I was going to be at a real loss. Like, I, I, I genuinely wanted to try and put some time aside to make sure that I was up to speed. With everything that's gone on, I'm well aware that it's a very complex and difficult, you know, universe to to grasp. And that first half an hour, you know, it's like, fuck it, I'm glad I didn't watch the other two. I didn't need it because it just set itself up sure. as its own standalone film and it is a reboot. So it's it calls back enough to to the previous films for you to understand where you're at. And you know, if you've got seen the first film you grasp what The Matrix is. You've got your own pieces together. So this bit of, you know, the the overindulgent dialogue that Alex is talking about, that it doesn't feel gratuitous at all because I've not been through it previously. So as a standalone movie, I think it works really well. It's a really clever take to say that, oh, actually, The Matrix trilogy was, you know, and, and in some way, if that had come at the end of one of the films, it would have been a cop-out. But the fact that it's a book uh, sorry, the fact that it's a, that it's a computer game, you're like, oh fuck, that's quite clever, you know. all the way to to tie all of that in and to make this a reboot and that it's become alive, you know. It's it. I I genuinely was was entertained, not least for the action because it dials up everything that you've seen before, you know. Keanu's still the man. He is, um, you know, absolutely smashing it, and and the CGI is, you know, it's it's, it's top notch in this. It's right up there with the best of of the action films that we've seen. So I was, uh, I, I very much enjoyed it and, and didn't mind the uh, the complexities within there. You know, I think this does things like the meta stuff way better than um, one Inception. where everything goes backwards. Yeah. Inception. Like It just, it just felt more obtainable. You could just watch it and it could take in what was happening mm-hmm. and it, and it, it brought you along. So um, for, for me, I think this is a, uh, it may be tainted by the two films that have come before it. Um for for these guys, but for me it's uh it was it was really refreshing. It's something which we've not seen very recently or I've not seen very recently. So it felt good and new and it was a nice change from a Marvel type action film.
0: Okay, so uh, just to summarise what Ozzy's saying that you know, this feels uh, pretty fresh. Not in terms of maybe for Matrix fans who've seen the original trilogy, but in terms of the way the uh, the cinematic landscape has evolved at this moment in time, this is pretty good timing to drop Matrix Four. Uh, what do you think, Joel? You've seen the original trilogy? Uh,
4: yeah, it feels fresh because it's fresh out of Lana's ass. To be honest, <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> <laughs> like everything that 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 made the original Matrix good it, is is lacking in here you, you know you think of the original matrix you think of so many good scenes you know you've got like the subway scene the fight with uh agent smith you've got like the bullet dodging scene the scene in the lobby with all the guns and all that type of stuff and there's just nothing you know there's nothing stand out here at all you would think that especially now with all the experience that keanu reeves has got with things like john wick and that type of stylish action sequences and things like that that they could incorporate some of that into this and there's just nothing really when you'll watch it there are some decent action sequences but there's nothing that will like you know kind of tie this film down as you'll go to your mate and say oh you know that action sequence was amazing if you think of even like the matrix 2 and 3 they've even got some really great action sequences like matrix 2 for example you've got that really great action sequence on the freeway with the trucks and that type of thing and uh, matrix 3 you've got the huge fight with or the Agent Smiths, and there's just nothing stand out here at all. Um, you know, it's just one of those action films that's very, very bland. Um, and again, just to kind of touch on that subject, The Matrix was a sci-fi film. It was uh, uh, Alex kind of touched on it. It didn't like, over-explain everything. There was always some tension. You know, you always felt as though the agents were one step ahead, and they were much more powerful than you know the the free people, if you like, like Morpheus and Neo. Um, and there was always that kind of tension there, and that's what made it so great. Here, again, there's, there's absolutely none of that. You never really feel like there's much kind of jeopardy. The villains are horrendous. The whole plot really is just convoluted, it ends up as becoming more of a love story. I think the kind of whole theme here is meant to be that like love rules all, and it's just... It's been done, like, so many times before, um, you know, that, like, that the connection between Neo and, and Trinity is so strong that it can't be broken, even though the Matrix has been rebooted. And, yeah, it it just leads you down a path which is just, like, far too, you know, dirty to, to follow. Um, it's, it's just... <laughs> But yeah, it, it's it's very, very messy, but yeah, uh, I think focusing on what makes the, the original Matrix so great, the action, the jeopardy, all that type of thing, the intuity, if you like, of like, a, you know, the, those bullet dodging sequences, all that type of stuff tied together made it such a great film. And Again, it, this one's just, I wouldn't even say lost in translation, but it's just lost its way completely. You know, she should have gone back to the drawing board and built up from what made made the original, great, built up from there and and gone with the sequel. Gav mentioned The Force Awakens and, you know, one of the things that you can definitely throw at that is it's pretty much, you know, a new hope repackaged, but at least The Force Awakens, like, repackaged that relatively well before it went off on a tangent. Whereas this just, it's like, you know, you go to McDonald's, you order a Big Mac, but when you open it, it's a shit sandwich. That's what this film is. So, (laughs) yeah, it's just not good.
0: Thank you, Joel. Eloquent as ever. (laughs) Um, This sounds a bit more like what I was expecting, I hate to say it. Gav made the film sound quite promising, and Ozzy himself said "There's, there's a few good moments to this, but this is kind of what I feared. This is playing on my fears now. Gav, I know you want to elaborate a little more about plot details before we wrap up on plot and move on.
1: Yeah, I would say as well. This is not like going to McDonald's and ordering a Big Mac and getting a shit sandwich. It's more like going to McDonald's, ordering a Big Mac, and getting a video of the cow and it's watching the process of the Big Mac getting made. Essentially, this is. what this <laughs> wants to is.
4: watch that. Pull you off the Big Mac.
1: You're hungry, <laughs> watching,
4: <laughs> watching the video.
1: <laughs> okay okay maybe a bad analogy maybe you get the you get all the ingredients if you have to make the big mac yourself you're still getting a big mac at the end of it
4: <laughs> well, like, again I, I said... you wouldn't even want to do that <laughs>
1: I I, I mentioned that this isn't your standard reboot or a sequel. This this isn't just picking up where Revolutions left off. It's raising new questions about the Matrix, expanding upon the original concept. It's updating it for a modern age. It's no longer a case of, you know, cyberpunk Zion and 90s internet black and green coding. this is as realistic as you can actually get to being in the Matrix without using virtual reality. There's lots of positive things about this film. You know, there's a great deal of location film in here. We're not just in some generic city. We're instead rooted firmly in San Francisco. What Joel said before, I think that's one of the best parts of the film It's about being a love story. It's no longer about one of the biggest criticisms about The Matrix was it being about this messiah story. It's no longer that, but about overcoming and even embracing duality of self and how at the end of the day, love will conquer all. I massively disagree with what Alex said about it being just a big pile of bollocks. You know, I, I found <laughs> that the exploration, the whole sort of like meta side of things, was. one of the most interesting parts of the film for me it explores a franchise that lana Wachowski admitted that she was reluctant to return to in the first place Wachowski was essentially forced into this project being told that, that it would be made with or without her so Wachowski and writers david mitchell and alexander herman have done a brilliant job of addressing this and exploring our need to see remakes and reboots or essentially more of the same, the same film over and over and over again. In Resurrections, Neo is a games designer who designed a su- successful series of games called The Matrix. Years later, his business partner tells him Warner Brothers are going to make another game with us or without us. It echoes the real life situation. We're shown the creative process over and over again with the same people, the same younger people, being uh, we're talking about the same things and getting more and more enthusiastic, whilst Neo is getting more and more despondent. But when Neo is finally confronted by Morpheus and given the choice to leave the Matrix, he is reluctant, he's scared, he actively avoids it. Once again, it's echoing Wachowski's reluctance to return to this series, but it also shows perhaps the reluctance of modern audiences to step out of the reboot, remake comfort zone and seek something new and original. And this is new and original. It isn't just the Matrix again. This is a further exploration of what made the Matrix so interesting. And just because
3: yeah, it doesn't it, have though. some
1: of the action Pieces and whatever Joel was talking about before, just then it's a bad film. It's just a different type of film than, than what we oh, were used a-
2: Fucking action film without any good action in it.
1: Like the, the the main criticism is, I don't care. Like I don't
2: care about which uh, Lana Mccosky's. That, that's her problem. I, my problem is, I just spent nine pounds and I'm watching her like moan about a creative franchise process. I don't care. I'm not in the cinema business. I mean, I'm in the business of going to watch a film that I would like to be entertained by. Now, you know, it is interesting going in a different way, uh, but the problem is that will never happen now because it's such a turkey that no one's ever going to do it again. Do you know what I mean? The, the, the problem is she's trailblazed something and just exploded it. Do you know what I mean? She's like fly, flown that vehicle right into a tree and no one is ever, ever going to try and look at something else. So she's, if her idea was to try and make us look at different reboots in a different way, then it spectacularly failed because no one is ever going to try and do this again. And and it's lazy. Gav's trying to say that there's a point to this meta stuff. I often think in there's very few times like adaptation when meta is done when I think that's quite clever and quite well done. But I think most of the time, and even possibly in adaptation, which is the sort of joke that the character makes, Charlie Kaufman makes in it, it's very self indulgent and it's very lazy writing. You, you know, and and that is that is essentially what's happening here. I don't want to know about the creative process of Matrix Four. Keep it to yourself. I don't, I don't care. And the, the cardinal sin is it makes is the plot. I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to reiterate my original point and disagree with you. It is a load of bollocks. Like the, <laughs> the, the, the plot just flies all over the shop. You've got Morpheus in the beginning, who isn't Lawrence Fishburne. You could hang your hat around that, but no, we just move on to that. Morpheus is just a bizarre character. Turns into ball bearings that can float. And then, he's, and then he's off. So just, you know, if we're going to talk about cast and characters, the, the fact that the characters aren't even in it consistently all the way through the film, that the, you get, like, chunks of the film where you have a big character in it for a long time, and then later on, you know, it, you, don't get it, uh, you don't get that character back in it t- again. So the Morpheus just really isn't in the second half, even though he's quite important in the first. That Merovingian guy who couldn't stand in Matrix Reloaded turns up for completely no reason, and then off he goes. It's it's a very it's a very poorly made film, and I think editors had to work very hard on this. And one cardinal sin it has on these casting characters is it has these. I had to laugh out loud in the cinema on my own again. Like there's, <laughs> there's these characters that are like the the robots. So obviously there's these machines that have become like pets of the you know they they've you know after make after Neo did whatever he did at the end of Revolutions that changed the Machines, the good. And now some of them are with them. And there's these terrible machine characters. There's one that's called Sebebe. Sebebe. And there's these other ones that just like come out, scamper around. And at one point, like, gives a fist bump to it. It's just like, you just think, like Joel was saying about the subway scene with Agent Smith. And you just look at three films later and you look at Sebebe and you look at like people doing a fucking fist bump to this little animatronic character. And you just hang your head and feel really sad about the film business. And that's not because of the film business. That's because of Lana Wachowski taking a huge shit in all of our cinema screens.
0: And that's a little unfair. I, I mean, think. What a big man. it isn't. <laughs> it isn't, Dave. It isn't. Um, okay. Well, I'm getting some very contrasting things here. You know, when both sides are really going to pedal to the metal on this. I want to hear a bit more about cast and characters. I know I, I, let's let's leave Sobebe. A bit. You know, I think I've heard all I need to hear about Sabo but general cast and characters obviously we've got some returning characters here beloved characters from previous uh, incarnations of the film. Some characters are returning but not in the forms that we used to see them. Uh, tell me what's going on. Tell me who's good, who's bad. Joel, start with you please.
4: I mean obviously we've got Neo and we've got Trinity but they're not the same people. You know, they are played very, by the same
0: people, though, aren't they?
4: They are played by the same people and they are essentially meant to be the same characters as in that they get saved and plugged back into the matrix but everything that made those characters kind of unique and the way that they were just seems to be gone here and it's all kind of watered down in the kind of hope that you get behind this love story my biggest problem was probably with Morpheus you know Morpheus for me was such a big deal in the original even in this even in the second and third one you know he had like kind of so much charisma without really kind of Trying too hard or overacting, like a lot of the big moments in the Matrix, were were down to Morpheus. And you know, you think of like the red pill, blue pill moment. You know, there's so many like kind of memes on the internet. You know, you think of like the faces that he pulls, all that type of stuff, and it's just kind of like the natural swagger that the character had. And and the new Morpheus, just because Laurence Fishburne wasn't in it, they tried to kind of the the way they basically played it was that this was Morpheus but it wasn't like the real Morpheus it was like a kind of reskin if you like and they should have just made a new character because what, what happens is it just ends up being a ridiculous kind of carbon copy of the character and they end up you know basically tainting the memory of the original almost like they did to use uh Gab's comparison before with you know Luke Skywalker when they brought him back in the Star Wars prequels um, You know, they absolutely fucked that character. and The same here with, with Morpheus. Then you've got like Jada Pinkett Smith, who, again, she, she's just nothing. The character is uh, just nothing. And it, it's a little bit of a shame because she could have been, you know, she could have been decent. She's dressed up all cool. And, you know, she's got a bit of like sass about her, I suppose. But the character is just completely, completely unmemorable. Again, to kind of hop back to the original, you know, you even remember some of the kind of side casting characters uh and here you just don't everyone just kind of blends into the background there's no real kind of reasons to care about a lot of these characters even even neo and trinity in the first one like how much did you want like neo and trinity to survive and then you know you actually cared about those characters and here again it's just kind of taken away from me because all the characters are essentially watered down so much and the the kind of plot is so janky that you kind of chop and change between them. All the performances I would say are distinctively average. But I don't blame the actors or anything like that. I think it's just simply because the scripts were so poor that they didn't really know, you know, what to do. And I don't think well you know the director at heart definitely wasn't in it. I think what Gav was saying, you know, the fact that you kind of included all of those things that the Warner Brothers you know, essentially said they'll make it with or without her, and she included that in the film. This is her saying, Warner Brothers fucking made me do this. So if it's shit, you're just going to fucking watch it. So yeah, I don't think anyone comes out of this smell of roses, unfortunately.
0: Okay, thank you very much. So yeah, pretty damning stuff. You know, the characters, we love the back, but they're different, either intentionally or unintentionally. And it's not as good as it was first time around. The new Morpheus is, is lacking Lawrence Fishburne's original charisma. And Keanu Reeves and Carrie Moss's characters have been diluted beyond recognition. This this looks bad, fans.
3: Right, let, let me go in first, and then you can go in because there's a few characters which I did, not you know, obviously, I wouldn't recognise because i not not been a part, of not seen the other things. But when it comes to to, uh, to to Neo and to Trinity, it always almost deja vu. You know, it's the same film, but head on, straight in, you, you're back at it, and I really like it. There is real growth the characters are older you know they are you know he's a jaded computer game making you know i mean it's like it, it's it's just a different man going through the same process again and it, it is a love story this time around you know it's a sci-fi love story but and, it, and i think it really nails it in terms of that that he is a great actor she is a great actor and and yes maybe there's a few bits where you, you know in so many things that there's around um, so many films we watch these days where, yeah, there's a little bit of a, a bit of a poor script writing, but for the most part in this, they, they, you can wash over that. These guys are so good at it. They go straight over, and then in terms of, like, a the, the, the baddie, you know, like, um, and I thought when I saw him uh on the, the list, uh, Neil Patrick Harris, I genuinely thought that it was going to be, like, a jokey thing, you know, like, almost like comic relief, but the thing with it is, because the guy is such, he's likable. You know, he's uh, you don't realise he's the baddie. He's such a good actor. So when he is the baddie, you're like, "Fuck, man! He's he's really good." It's not done in a in a bad way. So for me, the three key pieces, you know, you've got a good baddie that takes you by surprise, and two great um leading characters. Don't know whether Gav wants to add more to it.
1: I mean, to just add into what Ozzy said, I mean, Reeves and Moss still have that undeniable chemistry which added so much to the original trilogy, and Joel's criticism of some of the original characters not being featured enough, I don't really see that as, as a bad thing, to be honest, because as I said before, this isn't just Matrix 4, this is a sort of a deeper look at some aspects of the original Matrix and one of the aspects that Lana Wachowski wanted to explore even more was the relationship between Neo and Trinity. And this is essentially, as I said before, very well put—a sci-fi love story. And yeah, the you know the action isn't as present as you know the original trilogy, but that's not a bad thing because it's telling a different story. It's not just rehashing it. It's not like oh yeah, here we go, bullet time, loads of fight sequences. It's telling a different story. The plot might be a bit complicated, but it's still a solid plot. I saw you raise an eyebrow before when Alex explained or described the new Morpheus. It's essentially like.
0: Morpheus. It was, has... it was the ball bearings bit where he, he yeah. dissolves in the ball. That's that's the bit that got me. Yeah. I can right. I can roll with a lot of things on the Matrix, but that well, one
1: so an eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, so um, the thing is, is that Neo, uh, Thomas Anderson, now he keeps on having these visions. He's seeing a therapist. He's been told that it's like he's have he's had a breakdown essentially, and that everything that he thought about the Matrix has just been a horrible vision. So he is taking memories and he's trying to put it together in this program. So he creates Morpheus. And Morpheus is like a combination of all of the great things about the original Morpheus character. But with also hints of character traits from Agent Smith as well. So it's like some of their facets of their personality combined into one. Anyway, when Bugs goes into this program, she frees Morpheus, and look at it like printing something off using a three D printer. It's essentially that, but in the future. So uh, these ball bearings that Alex speaks of, essentially like nanotechnology, so they're able to print off a copy of Morpheus, and that that's how, you know how he comes to be. And I think the the actor Yahya Abdul Mateen, who we've seen in Candyman and Oz. He, once again, proves why he is in such high demand at the moment because he gives such a compelling performance. I massively disagree with what Joel said before. He's given this incredibly daunting task of stepping into Lawrence Fishburne's shoes, and but he does it, and he makes the role his own. He does that in Spades. He brings a lot of style and confidence uh, to a character that you know, essentially doesn't have as much of the spotlight as you would have imagined so, but that isn't a bad thing. This is the focus of the film. It's about Neo and Trinity but he gives a great side performance as does Jonathan Groff who was a brilliant addition to the cast. Similar to Mateen, he's playing a version of an already established character which is no mean feat. But once again, he doesn't just play Hugo Weaving. He doesn't just do an homage to the character. There's a slight sort of like nods to the character but he has his own slant on it too. This is a character who has been reprogrammed, repackaged to essentially observe Neo and make sure that he doesn't kind of fall back into his old habits. So he doesn't really understand why he's there he just he's, he's essentially trapped in the loop himself no, nobody does do they <laughs> nobody has a fucking clue why he's there but no, but so uh, when he is first Brought into a violent situation he doesn't know how to react he picks up a gun and he's like i've got an urge to use this but i don't know why and then later on they have a fight neo and smith and it's essentially smith like i don't know what's going on you know like i've got all these memories that come flooding back to me like what's happened why is everything different he wants the matrix to return to how it how it used to be and in the end he actually ends up helping neo defeat the analysts by biding them some time so both Neo and Trinity can escape from the uh, the analyst's grip. Making the character different and doing
2: that with Agent Smith is, a, is an interesting thing to do. The film spends no time establishing it, none whatsoever. There's an explanation that Gav says, which I don't think makes any sense to him, it's the Morpheus one as well. So Neo creates the character in his own modal within the make, doesn't make any sense whatsoever.
4: <clears throat>
2: There's no time spent on it. So to do this to an audience and take a beloved character like Morpheus and Agent Smith and have them as extremely minor roles in a movie where their presence isn't explained and it's not even done properly is insulting. And and I think that's what this film sort of like steps over to. This film does end up kind of insulting the audience. And I did feel that it was like you're just taking the piss with this and you're not even giving me like my matrix reloaded. I felt tech took the piss, but at least like Joel said, it had a freeway sequence where I could like veg out to. This doesn't even give you the, the action is like a TV action. It's zooming
0: saying, yeah. in and out. Hang on one awful. second. What did, what did you miss here, Ozzy? We've got to find out. I thought you said, said a three-way.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you, you've got to see the second film, Ozzy. You've
2: got to see it. Uh, <laughs> bullet time. It's really slow motion. <laughs> uh, it, it's just, you know, Gav's saying so much and it, and he's doing it, you know, you know that's, that's his job, but it, it's just appalling that you do this to agent smith and morpheus and you wouldn't even spend the time to properly do it so maybe there's a, a way of doing it maybe it's an interesting idea in there the film spends absolutely no time it's spending way more time on so and explaining these nonsense parts of sci-fi law bollocks that no one even asked for so gav's making it sound really good and if, if it had happened the way gav said it then maybe that would be interesting but we're talking about minor characters, and and that's just appalling. It's, yeah, but
1: it's, it's like it's it's like like Chewie and Han in you know the new Star Wars films. They don't get a lot of screen time. It's it, that focuses on new aspects. of If the Han film. Solo was played by, do you know what I mean? Just like
2: Ryan Gosling, and like it was never mentioned why it was like you know, it, and, and like no, it's
1: not the and same. His com-
4: and his whole character was completely completely, completely different. different.
1: Yeah, like it, it a it's nothing explained. It's in that character. Like the, the whole like. Big part of the plot that we're all kind of scaring over is the fact that this is the Matrix in the twenty first century. This is essentially the twenty first century reboot of the Matrix, where everything is slightly different and slightly repackaged. And why would you put like Neo when you're trying to get him to forget it about should everything? Should still that's be the form? same if
4: if Neo and um, Trinity are the same people. Then surely Morpheus and all them should be the same. I know they essentially save them and replug them in, you, but the rest yeah, of it well, doesn't make sense. It,
2: wait, do do it, you think does, Lawrence Fishburne turned up to the reading and they were like, "Lawrence, there's been a terrible mistake here. We've actually thought of something better, and you're not in it." Do you know what I mean? And Hugo Evening as well. They just didn't want to be in it, and so they had to rewrite. They no, had to write something. It's not a thoughtful thing they're doing. They just
1: yeah, they, didn't get them. Do you no, know what no, I mean? They, 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 they,
2: they probably
1: to took one look the, at this script and thought. Absolutely fucking no. No, way. No. no, bollocks. No, I, I, what, what essentially is, is because the, both Neo and Trinity die at the end of the third film anyway. So this is them bringing them back. This is set decades after the original. It isn't a case of. Because, I mean, you can explain why some people have aged and why some people haven't aged. So if you were to have, like, a near-70-year-old Hugo weaving in the film as the original Agent Smith, it would raise questions. It would be like, why have you got an an AI program that has aged drastically in, you know, 60 years or whatever? So they needed to do something with that. So they had his personality traits repackaged, reprogrammed. It's the same character, but he looks different. They've tried to wipe his memory that sort of thing. And with Morpheus, I mean, once again, it's 20 years later, you know, it may be more, maybe Lawrence Fishburne was asked and he didn't want to kind of get into a physically demanding role again or maybe it's a case that they already had this story in which Morpheus wasn't a big part of it because the main focus is the central love story between Trio, uh, sorry, uh, Trinity and Neo. <laughs> You're obsessed <And, that's> uh... <laughs> with me, right, <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's the focus. So there's no need for Morpheus' character to be there because I think his arc was closed within the three films. This is about exploring Wait, part of, of the film of the original three that wasn't fully developed, and and I, I think that that's the reason that they're not, in, they're not in this one.
0: Okay, thank you very much. I think I've heard enough about characters. I might have heard enough about the film to be honest with you. We've gone over this pretty pretty much in in depth. Has anyone got anything they would like to add before we move on, or should we just draw this to a close? I'll got... say, Dave
4: is you know imagine going to see like John Wick Five but well, it's mm-hmm. not like loads of action, loads of gun sequences. It's just John trying to find a girl to go out on a date with and occasionally <laughs> shoot someone in the face. <laughs> yeah, you would feel like insulted that you've been missold, like, you know, an IP that, you, that you're that really into and that you loved. That's basically what The Matrix 4 is. Okay.
0: Uh, Gav, you got any uh, scathing remark?
1: I'm gonna be honest and I'm gonna say that like it does feel disappointing, a little disappointing in regards to action. Like if you're looking at it as an action film and you're comparing it to the original. Uh, because the original was such a genre-defining, game-changing film when it comes to action, so it's always going to look subpar in comparison to the original. But this film still has, is full of exciting sequences to keep you entertained, including a brawl on a train, where we're showing avatars... can. Be controlled by the matrix at any point there's also a great fight between neo and smith that harks back to the original but you know once again this is a film that's standing on its own not just repeating the successes of the past and i feel that Wachowski is highlighting this sort of like modern obsession with the need for violence in action films in this the heroes are essentially pacifists who don't use guns at any point and there's a scene at the end where the analyst takes control of every single avatar within the matrix and swarms the heroes basically as they try to escape it literally involves avatars throwing themselves from their windows to get close in on the action which is you know i I imagine some sort of commentary on society's relationship with on-screen violence i think it's just very well done it's not an action film it's not you know the matrix 4 this is a sort of reimagining or drilling down into some aspects that were perhaps not touched upon as much in the original films this is its, its own thing
4: do you think okay. maybe that, like, in the original, you know, Lana was like, you know, let's do this. And then her sister was like, you're fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Do you think so she had somebody to stop her, you know, like in the same way that she, hey, yeah, she yeah. just had somebody to reel him in in, in the
1: originals. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. But, you know, yeah, I mean, like, this could have easily been a low-risk nostalgia cash-in but it was instead something that delved deeper into the original mythos and asked even more questions and offered up of something unique. That's
4: about three ways and go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think my final point would be,
2: it's a little bit rich for someone who's made their money off extreme, you know, violent films to be then turning around, making a sequel to a violent film and then being like, ha. You know, if the idea is Gabby's saying it, like getting them into the cinema and being like, ha, got you. It's not an action film, actually. And you should be ashamed of yourself for wanting to see an action film, you know, for coming into Matrix for. My thing is, by all means, if you want to have a wank, have a wank. Just don't sell tickets for it. Yeah, that, that's my main what? takeaway what for this film. It just no, feels like no. a massive wank that everyone's had to buy a ticket to go and see. That's as
0: as loath as I am to close the proceedings on that, point <laughs> <before>. <laughs> <laughs> I think we best stop there.
4: <laughs> not the premise for OnlyFans.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's essentially it is essentially it is um right yeah i've got plenty i've got pages upon pages of notes about matrix 4 uh has anyone got a quiz
2: i do have a quiz i do have a quiz my quiz is all about keanu reeves who i love very much and i uh hope you guys love him as much as i do and can answer these questions uh bam. first one how old is keanu reeves bam fifty-seven. Oh, well done, Gav. I had a feeling when I was writing this that Gav might do quite well on this. <laughs> <laughs> um, what nationality is Keanu Reeves?
1: Bam. Isn't he like Peruvian? Incorrect. Oh, oh per- no, he's... Um, oh. Lebanese.
2: Oh, no, Lebanese. he's
1: not I'd Lebanese. Yeah. Is, he is, is he
2: Lebanese? not Lebanese? He's not Lebanese. I want to say American, just to be... He's not American. Aussie?
3: Um, well, I was going to say Canadian,
2: but... Yay! Aussie gets the point. He is Canadian. No, it wasn't... It wasn't... My next oh, question is, where was he born? Bam. Lebanon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he was born, born in Beirut. In Beirut <laughs> so he was born there, but he, he grew up in Toronto. <laughs> what was his film debut? Oh, was it Bill and Ted? It wasn't Bill and Ted.
1: Is it like a very obscure yeah, role where he plays like obscure. Thug Number 2 or something? <laughs> no, I think it was a bit bigger than that. Um, yeah. I hadn't really
2: heard of it.
4: Okay. I don't know. I don't
2: know no one. Young blood was the answer. The next one, in his own words, what movie did he turn down that led to him being sent to, quote, movie jail? So he had a long period after turning this film down where Fox would not give him any more roles. Oh, also. is it Speed 2? It is Speed 2. He said that that really, really harmed his career by saying that he wouldn't come back for it. And when he was asked by Jan de Bont to be in it, he his answer was no, because boats are not that fast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and let's be honest, if you've seen
2: Speed 2, he was fucking right, wasn't he? So, uh, yeah, well played, Keanu. <laughs> uh, what instrument does he play in his band? Uh, guitar? He does. I'll give it you a point. It's bass guitar. What is the name of his band? I don't know. Uh, Keanu and the Reeves. Keanu and the Reeves. <laughs> no, his name, the band is Dogstar. Uh, <laughs> what did he try to change his name to as no one when he tried to was trying to break into hollywood he was hey, trying to change his name from keanu because no one could pronounce it
1: oh yeah hey, uh, oh god sorry no go on gav it's a, it's a bit like uh chuck uh like,
2: like speedo or something uh, i'm gonna give you the point for that he had uh he had three ones he tried casey reeves he had Chuck Spadina oh, it. <laughs> and uh, Paige Templeton III, well, uh decided to go with Keanu. Next question, what does Keanu actually mean? What does it stand for? His name? Beep. Cool yeah. breeze. Cool breeze over the mountains. It certainly does. Right. Uh, next film, uh, next question. How did he help Al Pacino to get on board for The Devil's Advocate? Al Pacino didn't mm. want to do it. Keanu had an idea. What did he
1: do? Uh, oh, oh, did he say uh, you can massively overact and it be He did. He gave him free reign to
2: overact, and as you know, Al Pacino could not help himself at all. No, he deferred his salary. He's done this quite on quite a few films where like they, everyone wanted Al Pacino on, but Al Pacino was like, no, it's not enough money. So Keanu Reeves said, don't have to pay me then until I get like a point of the profits or something like that, and so he oh. deferred his salary. I love Keanu Reeves. He's such a nice guy. In March 2019, a flight he was on was grounded due to bad weather. How did he get back to LA? Um, yeah.
1: did, he, did he hire out a bus for him and all of the passengers and then he gave them a free tour of uh, San Dimas uh, where did. Bill and Ted was filmed? <laughs> he did.
2: It was a terrible question. I just wanted to tell that story, to be honest, because <laughs> he's such a nice guy.
1: Um, my last question.
2: What is his highest rated film on IMDb?
3: Ooh. Uh, Joel? John Wick? Gotta be John Wick, isn't it?
4: Yeah,
1: one of them. Maybe The Matrix? Or Speed? Speed for Gav, are you going for? Yeah. Dave?
0: Point break.
2: It was The Matrix, Gav. It's a shame. It's a shame you changed your (laughs) answer. And a real shame. But don't worry... You still won the quiz. Well done, Gav. You're a huge Canary fan.
1: Yeah, uh, quite a He's big
4: fan. Probably <laughs> really probably though. So, to be honest. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you what, colour underpants he wears as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Right, uh, that's back to me then, is it? Go on, Gav, what colour? What colour? Oh, uh, it doesn't wear face
4: anything. It's a trick question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that's back to me then. So, right. I've had a bit of time to think about this while the, while the quiz is going mm-hmm. on. There was a lot of conflicting things, to be honest with you. I was wary of this film, especially when I, when I saw the trailer, when I heard it was coming out. I wasn't quite sure what to make of it. That, a lot of that wariness was dispelled by a lot of Gab's and Ozzy's arguments. It sounds like, you know, there could have been some promise here to this film. It's it's a reimagining, not a reboot. That is that is refreshing. And like Austin said, he was able to watch it without having memorized the previous films. You know, this isn't just for the super fans. But Alex and Joel did point out that it is overly self-indulgent um and with a, a and more than an element of slapdash plotting and maybe even scripting going on here which has actually deteriorated the quality of the film um led to your characters being quite watered down you know i think we, we talked about yeah neo and trinity not quite being the same as we remember them um and although this is familiar territory for the actors you know they played these characters before they can probably fill in the gaps to be honest with you on, on where the script may have let them down so i'm not overly deterred by that a lot of New additions for the most part sound pretty good as well. Um, Neil Patrick Harris was singled out for particular uh, acclaim. Jonathan Groff, uh, yeah, Abdul Mateen, uh, decent new additions to the cast by by most accounts. But very bland action was something that the, that the prosecution pointed out. And it is it, you you remember the set pieces from the first Matrix films, even the ones that weren't that good. You remember the action set pieces; they stick in your mind. Whereas Joel pointed out that not much of this really does. I, I do wonder if this film is is missing the absence of Lily Wachowski. You know, this is the first one that Lana's gone out and done herself, and it, that, that itself could be problematic. Ultimately, what decided this for me is is it's a story that Gav started telling about Lana being forced into this project and then making the film sort of a, a protest about being forced into that. And And while I don't have a problem with that, it is very concerning. And it almost sounds to me like this could have been an intentional scuppering of the Matrix fleet. It wasn't necessarily, I'm not saying that, but I can't I can't decide altogether that it wasn't. And the fact that this could potentially have been a creator and director possibly tanking their greatest achievement due to studio control, that's too big a concern for me to ignore. And for that reason, I'm gonna put this on the shit list.
1: Very interesting. Uh, so, Alex, genuine thoughts?
2: I hate it. I hate it. Uh, it's uh, it's an awful film, and it's very self-indulgent, and it's just uh, just absurd from start to finish. And the main thing that I didn't say is it's two and a half hours long of Oh, wow. Yeah, I should have mentioned that. Um, so, no, appalling in every aspect. But I don't think there's a single thing you could say that was not appalling about it. Ooh, okay. Uh, like, sorry, the, the exact <laughs> opposite feeling I got from Spider Man when I went from <laughs> this was the exact opposite feeling. It's like the two huge ends of going to the cinema spectrum. That's what I got.
1: Uh, 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 Joel, how do you feel about this?
4: Um, yeah, I was very disappointed as well. Like I, the original, you know, one of my top five films probably of all time. And I was expecting more of the same, I think. And that's why I was so disappointed. But even putting that aside, it's just shit. Like, the action and the characters are just not there. And it's just messy. Like Alex said, it's over two and a half hours long. You spend a good half an hour trying to, like, explain to you why Neo was put back in. I remember looking at the clock, being like, oh, Jesus. Like, we've still got, like, this amount of time left, and we've, we've got nowhere. Um, so, yeah, it it's terrible. And I feel bad for them, because... Like, where do you go from here? For me, that's, that's like, got to be the end. You've just got to kill that franchise now because you can't go anywhere from it. And they kind of left it open a little bit at the end to, like, a sequel. And I just really hope they don't go there. I think they just need to let it die.
1: Harsh Ozzy, how did you really feel about it?
3: I had a really good time for the first two-thirds, maybe. First hour, at best. Uh, maybe a little bit, like... For me, I just don't think The Matrix is for me. Like, the first one, definitely, absolutely loved it. But the rest of that universe, I'm just not into it. It's too um, conspiracy theory and all that stuff these days, you know. So it just, I couldn't help but feel like I was part of, like, the, the mad anti-vax movement. <laughs> be, you know? <laughs> so, so, yeah, like, I, I, it was fine. But it's not it's not nearly as good as number one, from what I can gather it's not even it's not even in the top three of the four
1: <laughs> <who> reads, <laughs> you know,
3: like I tried to go away and see what if i if I did need to fill in some of the blanks when I was reading reviews and 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 it's a very mixed bag from what I can gather so um uh, my my take on it was that it is it's got it had real premise real promise as well
1: but um it just I just think the film isn't for me, so um uh, so I will say that about the creative process, maybe a lean too much in it being sort of like. Have been, Lana Wachowski being forced to do this. So you know she, she was brought on board because they were originally going to do the film without her. And she was brought on board because she said she wanted to revisit these characters because she just recently lost both of her parents. And she wanted to be close to two characters that she really loved, essentially. And that's why it became more of a love story as opposed to an action film. But I will say I yeah, 100% agree with everything Alex and Joel said. This film... I just don't think it needs to be made at all. I feel so bad for Lana Wachowski for this film because she, she did try and do her best, but it was, and this is just, in my opinion, fucking unwatchable. It was fucking horrendous. <laughs> honestly, The editing was... Beyond poor. The action scenes were just so frustratingly poor as well, because bearing in mind the original ones had some like game changing sequences, this had sequences that could have been ripped out of any average action film of the 21st century and you wouldn't notice. It was so, so, so poor. Every average action TV show with a very limited budget. Yeah. You know? Do you know what was really upsetting for me as well is, is Chad Stiles- uh, Stileski, who, um, he makes a cameo in this film as Tiffany's husband and he was the original stunt coordinator of some of the Matrix films and he doubled as Keanu Reeves' stunt double in the original three. He's then gone on to make some of the best uh, you know, action films of the 21st century. He's one of the best working action directors today. He obviously was just on set for about one day you know, just as an actor. It was plain that he was there just as an actor because there was no stunt choreography in this at all. It was just the same shaky cam bullshit you'd see in any fucking standard cut and paste action film these days. And another thing that really pissed me off about it was that about 2%, maybe even more, was just original footage from the Matrix trilogy. We were constantly showing like flashbacks or video footage of the original. It's like somebody sat there from Warner Brothers just bashing you on the head, shouting, remember the Matrix, remember, remember. Honestly, honestly, like, I just did not like this at all. And and I, I was the same with Alex. I went to go and watch this with my wife a couple of days after we watched Spider-Man and you didn't need to be a fan to enjoy that. You can just go in and enjoy that. Uh, you know, it's all explained for you and it's all great. This... Even if you had just finished watching all three Matrix films, you would still have a hard time trying to figure out what the fuck was going on. And I, if it wouldn't have been for this podcast, this would have been maybe the only film that I've ever walked out of in the cinema. you never walked out of um, a film before. No. But once again, this is just my opinion. <laughs> Aussie,
4: like, have you not seen Gav's film collection?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah that's true. But, uh, to test, I mean, I, to, to I push Gav to the limit. so so, um, higher or lower than our previous film on trial which was Spider-Man No Way Home which garnered maybe the best rating that we'd ever done on a film, on this podcast on Rotten Tomatoes it scored 94% and 99% critical and audience scores respectively, do we think that The Matrix Resurrections improbably scored higher or did it score much much lower
4: I guess much much lower
1: I think normally, even you know,
2: they they go high at the start. I think this won't even start high, and it will go lower from that. I what we reckon
1: uh, in in the tens? Where where do we think? Fifty
2: something, maybe forty.
1: Oh, it's a bit better than that. Sixty four and sixty three percent critical. Well, critical. What's the critical? Sixty four.
4: That's a surprise for me Jesus. to be honest.
3: Like. You would have expected critical. I mean, I suppose critical doesn't necessarily mean your standard movie critic. Because now critical it involves people like us, doesn't
1: it? No, I've seen some really glowing, uh, really, yeah, really glowing verdicts from reputable sources, and I'm like, what? Wow, did we watch they the all, same film? They're all wrong, aren't
2: they?
1: <laughs> maybe it's us. The... Maybe we're wrong. <laughs> up up
3: until the the up until the game bit, like thirty odd minutes are in. Yeah. Uh, think that after that it's not shocking <laughs> it's but it's not been really salvageable from a critical point of view i wouldn't have said i would say matrix
2: 4 approaches that time when i know opinions of films is like subjective and everyone can have their own opinions but i would say it's that bad that it does become fact like that is just <laughs> an appalling <laughs> film like it, i don't think there is an opinion to be had on the matrix 4 I, I do, enjoy like, do, do, well, do i feel like i them. can
4: still remember you know after seeing the suicide squad seen some girl like proper, you know, like absolutely bullion, you know, reviews about the the suicide squad. I thought it was like, you know, a piss take, but it wasn't. She was actually genuinely amazed by how good the film was. So just goes to show that there are so many morons out there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, like this is a this is a film that could literally cause a ceasefire <laughs> like, on the western front like two opposing sides on Christmas Day would all join in the middle and talk about how much they hated this film <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah yeah
2: to avoid watching it in the trenches just be like oh, no 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 no, no.
1: Uh, so great well thank you very much for all, all your all your verdicts there guys i really appreciated it uh, we will say that the next film has been picked out of the hat at random it is don't look up which i've been told is not a sequel to don't look now uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> and that is going to be directly in your ears on january the 31st so if you like this episode why not check out more films on trial content or films on Check us out on all streaming platforms. Leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and or Instagram Films on Trial. So what have we learned today? Well, The Matrix Resurrections is essentially going into McDonald's and ordering a Big Mac and coming away with a nice sandwich full of shit. (laughs) there's no better description than that really thank you very much everybody the matrix resurrections is a shit and we're going to be directly in your ears on the 31st of january with don't look up goodbye there was a kid in a cinema
2: and i was just you know you're just like what the fuck is that kid doing like why what
0: is he getting out of this entire experience like that poor little poor little bastard